Hi there, this is How to Choose, the show that helps you make better decisions and improve your judgment. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tessa. And I'm Ken. In this season of How to Choose, we're covering some of the common obstacles that impede good decision making and how to overcome them. In today's episode, we'll be looking at situations where you're under pressure to make urgent decisions. We'll talk about some ways to determine whether or not those decisions are actually important and worthy of your attention or are simply urgent but unimportant. This sounds like an episode that will be very handy for me at the moment. I'm struggling with the crossover between personal and professional commitments and judging what's really urgent. I have a 10-month-old, as you know, Ken, Mm. so she tends to put everything um, into urgent for her anyway. Ah, kids, they have no sense of perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it feels like everyone wants us to hurry up and do something. I checked recently through the sales-related emails in my inbox, and here are a list of the phrases that I came across. Limited time only. Unmissable deals. While stocks last. Quick, free shipping ends tomorrow. Five days only. Hurry, ends tonight. You better act fast. Sale ends at midnight. One of them had a live timer that was counting down to zero, And one company even had a limited edition sale on for a limited amount of time. It was double the pressure. Um, A sales principle that we've all encountered is the urgency to act quickly. The pressure can be difficult to resist. Tess, have you ever noticed this, either as a shopper or a seller? Look, Ken, for both, um, particularly as a shopper, I'm such a sucker for time pressure when it comes to lots of things, but particularly airline deals. Mm -hmm. I get an email with a 48-hour sale and all of a sudden I'm thinking of all the potential holidays that I may need to take Mm -hmm. and not just want, but definitely need. Um, My partner normally has to stop me from booking, you know, the next 18 months worth of holidays in one night. Well, we hear this urgency so often, it can sometimes even become background noise. But there's a reason that salespeople use it, and that is because it works. Urgency is usually expressed as a scarcity of time or a scarcity of resources. And scarcity is something that humans are hardwired to react to. Psychology professor and best-selling author Robert Cialdini, in his excellent book Influence, which I highly recommend, Tess. On my my to-read list. Yeah. He writes about the scarcity principle and he shares a lot of examples of how items can become much more desirable when we can't easily get them. Here's one crazy example. This was seen in Miami, Florida in 1972 and the county imposed an ordinance to ban the possession of cleaning products that had phosphates in them as a way to protect the environment. Faced with a sudden scarcity of this type of cleaning product, many residents developed a much higher confidence in phosphate cleaners, believing that they were a superior product. Some residents began to hoard them, and some people even began to smuggle the banned phosphate cleaners into the county. Suddenly, everybody wanted phosphate cleaners simply because they weren't allowed to have them anymore. It's like when you tell a two-year-old that they can't have something. Yeah, or or even a teenager. Um, (laughs) Measuring the value or quality of something is actually really complex, but uh, a mental shortcut to measure value can be to measure an object's scarcity. And just for anyone who hasn't come across the term heuristics, it's really just a fancy word for a thinking tool or a shortcut that we use in our minds when making decisions. Yeah, so the heuristic that we apply subconsciously is this. We hear scarce and we think, Valuable. So why do we equate scarcity with value? Well, Cialdini suggests that it actually makes sense in evolutionary terms. 
The individual who seized the opportunity to grab some scarce reserves of food had a survival advantage over others. And in that context, being tuned into those urgent opportunities like, don't miss out, get your mammoth steaks now, supplies are limited, might easily be a life and death decision. So a sense of scarcity is one way we experience urgency, and scarcity doesn't always equate with value? That's right. And that's a nice segue to talk about one of my favourite matrices, and I do enjoy a good matrix Mm. test, Um, and that is the urgent, important matrix, which the author Stephen Covey popularised in his excellent book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's also known as the Eisenhower Matrix, named after US President Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was renowned for being highly organised and productive. Eisenhower reputedly told his staff that he only wanted to deal with tasks that were both urgent and important. And here is the key teaching that underpins this matrix. Urgent is not the same as important. That's quite a profound point. Yes, and until you can learn to distinguish between the two, you will never be an efficient decision maker or be able to effectively manage a busy role. So if you can now imagine, Tess, a 4 by 4 matrix, and you'll find a link to this in our show notes, which plots urgency against importance. One square represents high urgency, high importance. The task that Eisenhower focused on. Yes, that's right. And there's also low urgency and low importance, which would include all the time wasters that chew up our day. Like an alert on your phone that your friends just posted something new to Instagram, which distracts you from the important podcast that you are listening to. Yes, ignore those alerts. Um, But those two are fairly obvious. But the other two quadrants are the ones that usually trip us up. The first is the urgent but unimportant. And honestly, this applies to almost every urgent sales advertisement and even to a number of the tasks that we encounter at work. So how do we tell if something urgent is actually not important? Well, before we answer that, perhaps the first thing to say is that if it is really important for you to please people, then every urgent task will be important to you. Because by failing to complete an urgent task, you risk making someone unhappy. So sometimes our need to please others can blur the distinction between urgent and important? Yes. And I would say you have to get over this if you want to apply the urgent versus important matrix. But let's assume that making people isn't a huge driver for you. Um, Let's start with sales. If it's an item that someone is selling, you need to stop and ask yourself, have you ever thought that you needed this thing before? This is sounding a little bit like something from the castle. Yes, Do you really need those jousting sticks, Tessa? (laughs) And if not, you can probably safely ignore the urgent sales message. Yeah. I mean, the real test would be whether you can even remember it in a couple of days' time. Or maybe you did actually end up signing up for the online jousting course. Yes. Or another funny thing is if if something arrives by mail and you don't even remember having bought the thing, um, probably in that case you've responded to an urgent but unimportant yep, advertisement. That, that would be very embarrassing and I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> good, good. Um, in terms of the workplace, an effective team will define its priorities or the things that are most important in terms of its mission statement, uh, its goals, the company's customers, and your position description, whether it's written or only verbal, should define what your specific focus and special role is. Together, those things should help you to determine if a task is important and worthy of your immediate attention. 
It might be that you're not the right person to help, so you pass the job to someone else. Or it might be that this isn't really something your company does, and so you apologize and explain that to the customer. That makes sense. Um, So, for instance, a fast food worker's urgent important task would be to respond to every customer as quickly as possible. But for me as an office worker, I actually have to politely tell Johnny that I will not be helping him with the social club newsletter as I'm focusing on my core important tasks. Or I might put my phone on do not disturb and not look at emails for an hour while I write something for the minister. Yeah, exactly. And so I think there it, it's that ability to say no sometimes, isn't it, when people are pressing you to do something. Yeah, look, that's such a hard thing to do. I think learning to say no could almost be an episode all by itself. Yeah. Mm. Um, or not. Maybe. Or not. <laughs> no, we won't do that. No, we don't have time actually. No <laughs> that's capacity. Right. That's, that's right. That's not in the quadrant, Ken. <laughs> no. Um, we'll be looking at the final quadrant in more detail in our next episode, the important but not urgent category. And these are the things that can make a real difference, but which nobody is demanding that we urgently do. So having been presented with an urgent request or opportunity, what do we actually do, Ken? Well, I'm thinking here of a work situation because that's the context where I seem to get hit with the most urgent decisions. Here's five five steps that can help, and these are available on our website in the show notes. When we're faced with an urgent decision, we should first of all pause and consider if the urgent decision is also important. That's what we've been talking about today. Is this something that fits with your role and job description? Have you been asked to do it by your boss or someone senior in your company? Um, And if it's a non-work situation, is this something that you care about and value Does it align with your goals? Does it tap into your values? If none of the above, then maybe it's urgent but unimportant. And maybe also ask yourself if it is actually urgent or if the urgency is manufactured to pressure us to do something. Yeah, excellent point. And it isn't just salespeople who can create a false sense of urgency. The second thing then is if it is important, stop and think if this is your role or someone else's role. And if you're the only available person, consider if you actually have the necessary skills to assist. If you're in a plane and the flight crew is asking if anyone on board is a doctor, then consider your qualifications. Just because you've watched every season of House, that doesn't mean you need to put your hand up. Um, But depending on the urgent situation, your skills as a firefighter or an emergency nurse or a snake wrangler, um, you might be bringing expertise that's actually key and can be the critical difference. And we talked a lot about that in our first episode of the season, so that might be one you want to go back and have another listen to. As you've noted, Ken, it might be easy to determine if it's your role or someone else's, but you might equally be in a situation where you're the only one around and you have to decide how much help you can actually provide, as opposed to giving it a crack and then creating a problem that someone else has to fix in an even more urgent hurry. Yeah. Now, our third point is understand exactly what's required or being asked of you. Don't jump in uh, and, to give a stupid example, start performing CPR on someone who's broken their arm. Understand the timeframes as well. Negotiate for more time if you need it. I've been surprised in a professional context of how many times a I need this ASAP turns out to actually be, well look, if you can get it to me by the end of the week, that would be excellent. Um, Probe for more detail before you drop everything else. 
I mean, the fact is some people use urgent language a lot because they know that's how they get people to respond to their requests. That's right. Number four, marshal your resources. Now, that means look around and see, are there experts around that can help you with the decision and the subsequent action? Um, And also consider if there's an opportunity here to delegate uh, rather than to do everything yourself. Yeah, I mean, that definitely doesn't come naturally to everyone. Some people just aren't natural team players or they don't like to bother others. The fifth one, don't forget to look at what else is on your plate at the time that the urgent request comes through. Determine which of your urgent tasks is the most important and the most urgent um, and realize that you can't realistically focus on two urgent tasks at the same time. Now, there's no magic algorithm that I'm aware of that can answer that question for you. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it requires discussion, negotiation, maybe some trade-offs. Hospitals do this all the time, as you'll know, if you've ever sat in a hospital emergency department for hours and watched in fury as other patients are called up before you. Yeah, I mean, we would have really channeled our inner triage nurses, don't we, to, to do this one properly? Yeah, it takes quite a lot of skill, doesn't mm. it? Yeah. All right, so to wrap up then, um, we've looked at how we can better manage urgent decisions. Uh, we've tried to understand how our brains are evolved to respond to urgency and scarcity. We've talked about the difference between urgent and important. And we've offered a few steps that you can take when you are faced with an urgent decision. Uh, Tess, is there one thing that you're going to take away from this episode? Look, I think the people-pleasing point you made at the beginning really sticks with me. I think I've gotten better at this over the years, but there's definitely a part of me that really feels like I have to jump if someone has asked me to do something. So everything becomes urgent. Yeah. Look, I can relate to that as well. Another thing too that I find interesting is the fact that we respond very strongly to that sense of scarcity. And so we can be triggered Mm. to see something as urgent uh, if it's appears to be scarce. Yeah, we've almost got to ignore our instincts sometimes and realize what's actually being done to us. Yeah. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have, make sure to subscribe to How to Choose and visit us at goodbetterright.com.au and tell your friends about us. We'd love to meet them too. And Tess, I think that people are already telling their friends because I have to tell you this, I was pretty excited. I checked out the statistics for our podcast and we've got listeners in 32 countries. That is amazing. I don't even know people in 32 countries. No, I don't know if I can even name 32 countries. Well, that's not totally true. But um, look, a big shout out to some of those. We won't go through that. Oh, it's going to take us ages to go through Mm. through 32. But um, obviously lots of listeners in Australia, but we've got listeners in the US, listeners in the UK, in Belgium, and in India. We also have them from Iceland, Norway, Nigeria, and Turkey. That's crazy. Yeah. So, Ken, 32 uh, countries, what do you think next week? Let's do a stretch goal. Do you think we get up to 33? I'm going to say 34. Well, let's be bold. So, if you're out there, can you please send a link to your friends overseas to help us achieve that goal by next week? That'd be wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us in today's episode. And be sure to tune in again next week. We're going to be learning then about non-urgent but important decisions. Looking forward to it. 